Worrying may not be exactly what you think it is. It's more like a distraction than like anxiety. This insight suggests a very different strategy for overcoming it. All this and more in today's episode. I'm Sharif Yunus with Dr. Kevin Majors. This is The Golden Hour. Welcome to another episode of The Golden Hour. I'm Sharif Yunus here with Dr. Kevin Majors. Kevin, welcome. Sharif, it's great to be here again. Thanks for joining us. And we wanted to talk today about worrying, which is something that really fits in with a lot of the things we discussed at Optimal Work. We don't have a golden hour mode for it yet, but perhaps we will. But uh, Kevin, why is this topic of worrying interesting to you? I think it's probably one of the number one reasons uh, people um, get stressed out. I think worrying often leads to just problems with burnout and fatigue during the day, people feeling really overburdened. But I also think it really relates to the topic we had covered recently on perfectionism. So, you know, we were talking then about perfectionism as what happens when people are really focused on minimizing bad outcomes. And so they're trying to like get rid of anything that would be imperfect and say, you're preparing a meal, the perfectionist has this hyper-focus on details. And then can lose the big picture of why he or she is actually doing the work. Well, in a way, that's exactly what worry is all about. Worry is when you have some kind of bad outcome that you're, you continually are cogitating, thinking, how can I minimize it? How can I make it less likely? So it really, you could say worrying is one of the prime manifestations of perfectionism and really of anxiety more generally. Yeah, it's interesting with worrying and perfectionism. In both cases, you kind of have something that might seem positive. Okay, you're with perfectionism, it's like you have high standards, but then at the same time, those high standards aren't quite being directed in the best way. And then with worrying, it's like, okay, well, you, you care about something important, and in some way you're thinking about it or preparing yourself for it. Um, but maybe we could get, like, do you have a succinct kind of definition of precisely what worrying is? You know, my usual definition has always been that worrying is, or the condition in which people worry too much, which is called generalized anxiety disorder, that that is a phobia of a negative outcome. So some kind of imaginary negative outcome. The more people are afraid of it, the more they then try to see how to escape it by thinking. And I think that's fairly true. Um, and so it can happen then that you like, and I've done this many times with people, um, you have them write down their worry. So you take the thought that they're, you know, so it could be someone coming to me because uh, he's really just having a hard time at work. He's totally stressed out, afraid he's going to get fired. And he's worrying all the time about getting fired. And so now that focus on the bad outcome of getting fired, clearly it like formulated like that is not bringing out the best in him. And so it's, a, it's an inherently negative goal, and it's inherently like an outcome kind of thing you're, you're trying to avoid. And so now, if you um, have the, you know, him write down the thought, I am going to get fired, and read it again and again and again, 
Well, it does actually cause anxiety, and you get a flare of anxiety that can be unexpected. And then I would have him write a yes in front of it and reread it again and again, silently in his head, but just with, yes, I'm going to get fired. Yes, I'm going to get fired. Well, if he does that, it gets even more intense momentarily and then starts habituating, just, you know, running its course. And then I would have him do it with a very dramatic voice, crying as he's saying it or somehow distraught, you know, and kind of weeping and then saying it in his head. It's all silent reading again and again with that drama. And then it would would flare one last time. And then it was hard to get that thought to actually cause anxiety again. And I've had many, many cases, probably like almost all of them, where they, there's like a switch that flips with that particular thought. And they do notice that afterwards, this thing really didn't bother them as much. Like they had faced up to it. And they had seen, this is just a thought I'm having. And many times it's like, oh, and this is not even that realistic. Now, all of that I find super interesting. But what often happens is people with a tendency to worry aren't simply focused on one thought. And so then it can happen that, you know, like a month goes by and then the same person comes back with another worry. And you start to feel like it's a game of whack-a-mole. You're just trying to extinguish worries And that's what led me eventually to really start to think of worry, not so much as a phobia, but simply as a kind of distraction. And so with distractions, you don't need to do exposures to the thing that distracts you. All you need to do is when the distraction captures you, you detect that, the capture of your attention, you let go of it, and then you refocus on the task at hand, whatever is supposed to be the anchor of your attention. Mm-hmm. So does that mean, are you saying worrying is more about trying to avoid something else that's going on than to by distracting yourself with this thing that you're worrying about? Or that the worry itself is, is, is still a problem? It, it may be that when people don't have enough to engage their attention, then they worry. This is why a lot of people work too much. And it's also why they have a hard time on vacations. That they're, when they're, when they're, you know, at the beach there, they're not just able to savor the sun and enjoy the beach, but instead they're worrying. And so they, they find that they're just continually processing things in their mind. So it it does happen that, uh, that worrying as a process just fills whatever free time they have. But I think really worry is a distraction means that you simply reduce the amount of time spent going down it. It's like an inner internal rabbit hole. And so it's just you detect when it's happening, you let go of whatever it was so you're not engaging the content at all and refocus on the task at hand. So detecting, disattending, refocusing. That shapes then, you know, the, eventually that worry is shaped so you have less salience. It's just not so powerful at drawing your attention. So I think that treating worry as a distraction means you don't try to solve the problem or do an exposure on the spot. You simply re-engage the task at hand. And what I like about this formulation 
is if you were to ask yourself then, how do I practice that? You know, if I don't have a worry, well, those are exactly the steps you're practicing when you're doing mindfulness. So we've you know, talked recently about theta locking. You detect the wandering of the mind, you let go of where it wandered to, and you re-engage the task at hand. That is enough to actually treat worrying. Just decrease the total time spent worrying by detecting it faster. You decrease the, th the power of the, you know, the, the threat, how scary it is, every time you let go of it. And then you re-engage in some positive way the task at hand so that you're challenging yourself in it and it better holds your attention. That's actually like a day-long approach to handling worry. And I should say obsessions and ruminations, whatever the condition might be, you know, these repetitive kind of you know, internal patterns of thinking where people have like internal rabbit holes that they keep going down, you have to just detect when it happens faster, get more practice, disattending it, letting go, and then, or just like clearing your mind, it's all the same thing, and then re-engage the task at hand. Mm -hmm. how, how can people, are there any tips you can give to, for people to kind of determine whether the content of their thoughts is a worry or a cogitation or a rumination or whether there's something genuine there. I mean, is there anything that's like, like a worry, but is okay? I mean, for example, having concern for your loved ones or for the future of your company, those are good things. So how do you determine when it gets to the point of being a worry and not just uh, planning for the future? Yeah, one of the, one of the hallmarks of a worry is that it actually may not be something that the person can do much about, um, or at least it's not leading them to effective action. So if you can't take whatever's on your mind and then formulate a goal, a positive goal, and, and then you know, elaborate the steps you would actually concretely take, then it may be very well that it's a worry that you have. Usually you can tell it's a worry because you have the, also the feeling of anxiety. So real worries are not just thoughts, but it's also the feeling of anxiety. Uh, this is a, a metaphor that I often use with, with people that when a worry, a real worry pops into your head, uh, it's like some ugly weed. The top of the weed is say a flower and you go down the stem and you get to the bottom of the weed, which is the root system. Well, the flower with the worry is the topic, the thoughts, what's in your head. And the root system is actually the tension that you have in your chest when, that, when those thoughts are there. They always occur together. So now the, the light of the sun is your attention. So if you pay a lot of attention then to the thoughts, engaging them, trying to neutralize them, trying to think your way through them, kind of going over them again and again and again, all of that, which is the process of worrying, this repetitive thinking about minimizing a bad outcome. Well, the more you're doing that, the more it's like sun shining on the, the weed, the flower, causing it to grow stronger. All you need to do is follow down 
Follow it, go into your chest, and then feel the roots, which is the tension there. Shine the light of your attention on the roots. That's the same as taking a weed gently out of the ground, unearthing its roots, and letting the sun shine on them. No weed can survive that. It just withers. It's exactly like the worry. When you shine the light of your attention on the sense of anxiety that you have in your chest, it does start to wither. And that can actually be a good way of, of clearing your mind. So if something is worrying you, you get, you like, can get somehow, you detect it, one, sometimes just by noticing the tension in the chest, and you briefly let go of the thought, the content of what you're worrying about, so getting fired or family, you know, loved ones having some bad outcome, and just open up momentarily to the chest, the tension that's there, and that's like a halfway point to then re-engaging the present moment fully. And you just go right back into the task at hand. I think that's so a that's very like, beautiful metaphor. I like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, that's, well thank you. I, 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 one thing I like about it is I'll, I'll sometimes tell people, imagine then someone sees the weed popped up overnight in their perfect front lawn. What would you think if they ran out with like a, you know, some kind of spoon and you see them go up to the weed and then push the entire thing back underground. <laughs> but that's what suppressing the worry is like. You try to push it out of your mind. Uh -huh. The more you try pushing it out, the more you're actually like pushing it. Well, if you put that, you know, take that dandelion and push it underground, yeah. you're going to get a bunch more popping up. Mm -hmm. Instead, you just gently unearth it. So, and then shine the light on the roots. And that's exactly how you handle the worry. You go from your focus in the head, you just detect that, oh, this is where my mind has wandered to. You follow it into the tension in the chest that reconnects you then with the chest, with the breath, with the present moment. And then you just transfer your attention right back into the task at hand. And that's just, the more you practice those, those, those natural movements, it becomes second nature to get out of it. Now, there is also, since I had mentioned theta waves, there is also this other, this other phenomenon, which is when you are feeling the sensation of you know, the breath, being mindful, you're in a theta wave pattern. When you're engaging the task again, you're still in the theta wave pattern. It's, it's a much deeper synchrony for the whole brain. But worrying is a beta pattern. It's this super, it's like a faster wave in your, and it's all disjointed in your cortex. So your thoughts are bouncing around and they're, they're not, it's not this deep state of coordination. So worry as this kind of, what you could call beta chatter in the head. That's like the voice in the head that keeps going over things. You know, you learn to silence that, re-enter the body, the chest. That's now a theta pattern. The theta waves let you just slip out of the worry. And then you engage the task at hand and you're, you're able to do it. For those people who go on vacation and find that they worry more, the simple solution is be more mindful of their, you know, for instance, their breath or their, their, their life and their body um, or the beauty around them, just to hold the tension there more deliberately and mindfully for some time. And when they start getting the chatter in the head going, let go and refocus until it seems like their thoughts settle. Then they can have peace. They might not have work to engage, but they have bonds, the people in their life to engage. 
And then you engage those people and let your attention just rest on them. And if the chatter in the head starts, you let it go and reinvest it in the people you're with. But that's how you practice it, with good work, with good you know, relations, and then also with mindfulness. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about kind of the, you know, for someone who, okay, now they're understanding maybe that they are worrying more than they should be. What are kind of the negative effects of worrying? And then what are the positive effects of, of taking this approach? So I, I imagine some of the negative effects, it actually keeps you away from what's important. And then on the positive side, then you get to actually devote yourself fully to the things that are most important in your life. Is that how how you see it, or is there anything missing from that? Those are yeah, that's that, that's the, no, those that's the big categories I think. So, really, there are I think there are a lot of negative effects of having negative goals. So, just working to minimize a bad outcome doesn't bring out the best in you. It doesn't make you creative. It doesn't make you enjoy your work. At the most, you could get a little bit of relief when you're done. But that's not that's not a lot. And it certainly doesn't make you enthused about what you're doing. So worrying as a habit starts to really take enthusiasm and joy out of life and work. So, so that's a, a big thing maybe to highlight is the, the centrality in understanding worrying that it's based around these, these negative goals. I don't want this to happen. Uh, and does that in any way relate to the negative processing bias? Absolutely, it does. Yeah, because it's this is a, a question of you know, what's the frame you're working in, and if you're fixated on the negative, well, that's the same thing really as what happens when people are complaining and dreading, you know. And so, so the fixation on the negative makes your brain better and better at detecting negative things and fixating on them. Whatever you, your brain is, the organ that is always most responsive to your behavior. Whatever you do, it gets good at doing. So the more you fixate on minimizing negative things, like by worrying about them, the more you find yourself drawn to do that because you're just getting skilled at it. But it can change rapidly. Because once you learn to have positive goals, thinking, is there like a skill that would make this issue easy or even enjoyable? That's like the most basic question. Is there something I could get good at? And then, then, then whatever the thing I'm worrying about, I could address it better. Well, now with that positive goal, you could start to make a plan and have steps. So, the, you, know, so you, you, you identify the goal and then you make the steps to turn it real. And that's how you get from some imaginary thing to real life progress. I think skills are the most basic way of doing that. But you know, the higher the skills get, the more they really are. It's the same as aiming for certain ideals. Yeah, and so if you're having trouble, say, in your relationship, you might think, how if I was really good at like listening, you know, and, and asking the right questions, you know, would would this be so hard? That a little bit higher. If I was just more deeply understanding, you know, would the relationship be better? then you're just aiming to deepen the bond by being understanding, by practicing listening. Okay, that's one way of thinking of it. So you, you know, the whole goal is a positive one, a deeper bond. That's something you can work towards. That's much different than when people are worrying about a relationship and then they start looking for reassurance. If there's any like, compulsion really that goes the most with worrying, you know, it's seeking reassurance. You know, I'd like, and that always, 
is just trying to minimize the doubts, the self-doubts, the, you know, the uncertainty. And it ends up many times being a self-fulfilling prophecy. We, we might have to do a whole episode on reassurance seeking. Uh, I think it would be a great topic. It's, it's, because uh, that's the main behavior that really maintains, um, it's main, you could say external behavior, you know, that maintains the habit of worrying and perfectionism. And let me just make a f final plug for, I think in golden hours, the difference between setting a positive goal and a negative goal, uh, I think is, makes a huge difference in the overall hour. Like if your goal is don't check, don't go on YouTube for this hour, I think you, it's, it tends to like produce this kind of worrying. It's like, oh, like I hope that I don't have like an impulse to go on YouTube. And then if you do go on YouTube, it's this whole issue. Um, whereas if you actually set a positive goal of I want to focus on this work very intensely or I want to really, I always do programming examples, but I really want to focus on having the cleanest possible code or well-tested code, then that's like a totally different hour. Yeah. Or even I want to be aware of the urge to go to YouTube before I do anything. Then it's a positive goal of just learning how to practice patience and awareness of the urge which would eventually produce the right outcome of not going so much on, on, on YouTube. But any of the things you mentioned would do that. So when you have positive goals, especially that are these process goals, what could I practice and get better at? What could I be improving in? You know, and that's unfortunately worrying and perfectionism often cuts us off from the real excitement about improving and growing. And that's really where desires take flight. We start to think that actually I have a life that is completely shapeable. It's not just about getting rid of the negative, but you know, I will have less negative the more I'm really stretching myself to grow in all these beautiful ways. That is dead right. Uh, Kevin, we're unfortunately out of time, so we're gonna have to stop here, but I'll let you add a final thought if you want. Uh, only that when you worry, don't think something bad is happening. Noticing that you're worrying is the very first step you need to then let go of it and bring yourself back to reality in the present moment. And it's just getting good at that that matters. So sometimes when people think, oh, worry is a problem, maybe I worry too much, and then they start you know, worrying about worrying. But no, noticing your worrying is always a good thing. And then it lets you release it and just simply get back in the present moment. You don't do good work on problems when you're just cogitating the back of your mind. If you need to, set aside 15 minutes to come up with a plan for dealing with that situation. Something concrete. Turn that, whatever the issue is, into a project that you're going to be working on. But at any rate, you come up with the right goal and then some concrete steps. And then so many times you realize that, in fact, it's completely doable. Kevin, thanks so much. Thanks, Sharif. And we will be back next week. Yes. All right, talk to you then. Take care. Well, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to check out OptumWork.com for a set of online tools to help you engage challenge in your life. See you next week.